You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael, and with me always... Jay here in Texas. And we got... Uh, Mike from Alaska. There you go. We got Mike uh, B. with us again tonight. That's uh, awesome. Uh, he's becoming a regular uh, host on the Park Flyer Podcast, which we Well, enjoy. he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Well, he's got some good yeah, stories, he, too. He's had so. a few mishaps. I've seen him. I've survived him. <laughs> that's right. Well, how's that? Well, and I have a face for radio. So <laughs> Is that what your mama told you? Okay. Yes. A face for radio. For radio. That's always Gorgeous. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, how's things down in Texas, Jay? Uh, as always, it's hot and uh, still hot and more hot. So, yes. Yeah, there you go. Well, hopefully it'll get hopefully it'll it, cool it is off, cooling so. off uh, a degree here or two so it's getting there okay well good and Mike you uh you're probably looking at uh, some snowfall here shortly yeah probably by the end of the month we'll we'll get our first bit of snow well good well tonight we're uh, gonna talk about CG which is your center of gravity um, and then you know how to find it each one of us have uh, had issues where We've had airplanes that have not been in a CG or we haven't had a, you know, very good experience with that CG. And we figured since uh, there's some guys out there that are new to the Park Flying Podcast or if you're a pro, it doesn't really matter. It's always good to uh, kind of review how to find your CG and and, uh, what that uh, entails. But, Mike, uh, why would you have to find the CG or figure it out? Because (laughs) don't the instructions tell you where they're at? I mean, like. Why, funny you say that, Jay. Uh-huh. The instructions are uh, not always correct. Get out. <laughs> Just because it's in Chinglish, yeah. yeah. it, it may be wrong. Oh, yeah. Funny you say that because the instructions are not always correct. Uh, for instance, I had, uh, for those of you that remember Hyperion, which you haven't really heard too much from them lately, but it used to be a very, very large company, and they were, if you were going to buy a balsa wood prog- uh, product, that's really who you went to is the Hyperion guys. So they came out with this really, really nice uh, SU, it was Sukhoi, I think, SU-31. And I decided uh, that I wanted to purchase it. It was my first boss model. I got it. It was uh, almost ready to fly. Put it together. Great pains to you know try and figure out everything. Got it all measured out, glued together, epoxied, the whole deal. Uh, and in the description for all of the throws and the center of gravity... It said that I needed about 108 millimeters from the leading edge. Now, it wasn't a whole, it wasn't a large airplane. It it was, you know, kind of a moderate size. But I will tell you that 108 millimeters from the leading edge put the CG at the trailing edge. (laughs) Whoops. Of of the wing. So it was a little difficult um, to get that measured out and then try to balance it. Now I will tell you that I have a, a great plane CG um, machine. It's basically two, uh, you know, plastic or it's an aluminum frame and it's got uh, two points that you lay the wing on and then you can kind of move the, these little plastic pieces to be at uh, whatever the range is. And then you can kind of balance it. So you do most of the balancing after you build it, and then you put the battery and the ESC and all of your components in there, uh, and then you can move the battery forward or aft in order to balance the airplane. Now, center of gravity in an airplane works a lot like a a teeter-totter or seesaw, whatever you want to call it, uh, on the playground. If you have a large individual on one end and a small individual on the other, it's out of balance. If you move the larger individual... Uh, towards the center of the fulcrum point, uh, you can actually get the two of you to balance, and then you know you can actually make the teeter totter work. Uh, the airplane works. Big airplanes, small airplanes, doesn't matter. Real aircraft work with a CG range as well, and the CG usually is from the firewall, and they measure back, 
And then depending on how much weight, fuel, uh, cargo, all of that stuff, it'll balance. And then it makes the airplane fly better uh, in the air. Well, back to the, Su- the Sukhoi, it had 108 millimeters from the leading edge of the wing. It was a misprint. I will tell you right up front, wow. it was not correct. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was supposed to be 85 millimeters <laughs> uh, from the leading edge, and they put 108. So there was a little bit of a disconnect there. And 108 to, to 85, that difference... Uh, made the airplane incredibly uncontrollable. So I was not, I mean, I'm a pilot, so I understand CG, and I just took for what they put, uh, you know, right on the on the directions. I took it for, you know, their word for it, and I, I balanced it out, and the battery was really far back. Well, I will tell you that when I went to go fly this airplane, not pretty. It took off and immediately was tail heavy, so the the airplane just went skyward. Luckily for me, Hyperion has great motors, and it went vertical, so I was able to get a lot of altitude very, very quickly. Now, the bad news is, is that any motion in the stick caused this thing to just be out of control. It, it had the worst pitch motion I've ever seen. Uh, and, and I'd been flying for a while when I got this. So I was used to foamies having, you know, wild gyrations and that kind of thing. And I had been flying 3d for a while. Uh, but this airplane, it, it was terribly uncontrollable. And when I pulled the power to idle, I could get it to level out, but it kept wanting to just, the tail kept wanting to tuck under or the nose would fall. Uh, and it it was really a terrible uh, scene. I wound up trying to come into land, you know, because I knew something wasn't right. And I tried three or four times and very unsuccessful at getting a, a good glide in. So I made the mistake there, Jay, of asking uh, one of the other guys in the club if he said, oh, I have an airplane just like this. And I go, you do? He said, yeah. I go, can you land it? And he said, sure. So I handed him my controller. I will never do that again. <laughs> Didn't end up well, huh? Uh, no. And mainly because he had the same problem I did. The CG was way out of whack. And he came in really, really fast, had the you know the power going, and he basically slammed it onto the ground, uh, ripped the gear clean off, cartwheeled the airplane down, uh, did some pretty good damage to the aircraft. When I looked at it, I was like, oh, my gosh, you just crashed my airplane. He says, yeah, same thing happened to mine. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve is honest. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that plane flies it, terrible. That's what happened to my plane. Exactly. That, that sounds like that movie where the guy says, "Does your dog bite?" And he says, "No." And then he reaches over and the dog bites him. He goes, "I thought you said your dog didn't bite." That's not the my yeah, dog. That's not my exactly dog. right. Yeah, it happened like that. So the uh, mistake that I made was once again, RC groups guys were out there complaining about it quite a bit and the directions were wrong. It should have been 85 millimeters. And I will tell you after flying many, many years that the leading edge of the airplane, uh, is usually a great place to start for CG. And I would never go past the wing spar for a CG mark. So I would go from the leading edge of the wing to where the wing spar is, but anything past the wing spar, you are literally getting into a tail-heavy uh, aft CG, and it's going to be slightly uncontrollable. And you find that as well, right? Yeah, Dave? right. I, I think what's the uh, adage or the old saying, something like uh, a tail or a nose-heavy plane uh, flies heavy and slow, but a tail hail, a tail heavy plane flies only once or something like that, you know? <laughs> that's about so yeah, that's that's so about as right. long as it's always nose heavy, yeah, the plane will be hard to pull up. It, it you know, you, you may, you know, but it'll it will fly. But uh like you said, having something that's tail heavy, you're lucky to get it back on the ground. So I, I think we've all been there for sure. Yeah. Well the Sukhoi, you know, unfortunately I I tried several different things to get it put back together and wound up never, never flying it again. It just, it never really balanced out correctly. The gear wouldn't fit correctly. The the gearbox was totally ripped out. Uh, it, it, it just wound up having some internal issues and 
And uh, unfortunately, you know, it, it got retired at a very young age. But it taught me a very valuable lesson, uh, once again, to always look at your CG. And most of the airplanes nowadays, uh, almost ready to fly, they have some pretty good manuals. Um, they've kind of figured it out. Uh, but almost all of my airplanes balance right pretty close to the wings bar or a little up front. So, of it. so, and Jay's correct. And Jay's correct in the fact that if it's nose heavy, uh, you'll get a little bit faster speed out of it, uh, a little bit more controllable. It becomes more stable because it's always heading downhill. Uh, the landing may be a little bit faster, but it, it will be a little bit controllable. So when you made in a flight, uh, or you build an airplane, I would always start at the forward end of the CG or at least a little bit uh, towards the front from my first flight. I wouldn't go towards the back of the CG. And it's usually a range. So it's usually a range of, you know, somewhere between uh, the wing spar and the leading edge of the aircraft. Right. So it's usually what? That's the first one-third of the wing, the first third, what, first third of the wing, and that's probably right around where the spar you'll see that spar is the first third of the wing so and that's at the wing root not at the wing tip. right right so yeah so right right so, along but, the when, but when you balance it like before you fly it you put it on your fingers or whatever to check the cg yeah. right and you did the sukhoi that way it balanced right i mean uh you had the battery where where it needed to be to balance it at the wrong cg point that is correct right? that is correct so i you know like i said well, i have I the cg show me their plane and say Look, the CG's right on. And it's like, okay, it, it balances right where your fingers are. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, that doesn't necessarily – well, I mean, I think it's a reasonable thing. No, right. Thing, but, if you, sure. but, if, but if when you're – what you're taught. But if you're, you're balancing it, it at the very back of the plane, <laughs> and that's right. where it balances. Right. Well, yeah. No, I get that too. But Mike's point about the spar is a good one. Is it, isn't it one-third right. one third the cord, cord, Mike, for most fixed Usually, planes? yes. Yeah. And the cord being the, the leading edge to the trailing edge. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. So, so if you're balancing it behind one-third the core, then maybe there's a problem. Uh, there is. Now, I, I'm not going to assume that, you know, there's guys out there that won't balance it a little bit further back. Uh, if you're doing – if you have a larger airplane and you're doing 3D maneuvers, I, I actually go to that, you know, not to the trailing edge of the wing, but I'll go to the back of the CG because I want any any vertical hovering maneuvers – uh, we'll do a l much better if it's a tail-heavy airplane, not necessarily a nose-heavy. But but you have to be careful with that because, you know, you have to have enough horsepower, basically, in your motor that if the airplane's hovering, it'll actually pull it out of that tail-heavy, you know, situation. Situation, yeah. So um, now I heard there's also a trick. Um, let's say you're flying your plane. And you want to discover if it's nose or tail heavy, um, and it has to do something with flipping the plane over and letting go of the controls, which doesn't exactly sound natural. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot of the airplanes, especially if they're a sport flyer or a 3D flyer, uh, you can actually balance it to where it's it's upright or inverted. And if you're going to do a lot of inverted maneuvers, you don't want to push uh, a ton of forward stick on it. So in order to figure that out, you balance the airplane upright, uh, take it on a flight, get out there and get all the bugs worked out. And then when you get ready, you can roll it inverted and actually see how much forward stick you have to push. Because remember, if it's inverted, you're pushing forward on the right. stick. Now, if you're, if you're maxed out and you're all the way to the, you know, the top of the, the radio and, and you've got no more stick and it's still flying and descending – then your CG is probably uh, farther forward than you want it, uh, and you can move it back. If you have no forward stick on there, uh, and the airplane's you know flying level, eh, you're probably towards the tail end of the CG. So you want to be able to put a little bit of forward pressure, not a lot. You don't want your stick to move you know halfway to the to the max. You want it to move, eh, I'd say about an eighth eighth. Right, you know, just or a, maybe just even a, a little just a less. bit of pr pressure. Yeah, just a little bit of pressure, and you know you can fly around and then roll it upside down, and, and it'll help if you're doing uh, aerobatic type maneuvers because you're just slightly 
forward of the most rear CG is the best way to put it, if that makes right. sense. Okay. So, but you you mentioned something um, the other day when we were talking about it really has to be a symmetrical wing for that to be true, though, because if you have a flat bottom wing, you're going to have to give it more elevator forward on the stick more, right? Uh, uh, or did I get that wrong? Say that again. If you have a flat bottom wing, yeah, you're gonna have to you have to push. You know, if you invert it, you're gonna have to push forward on the stick a lot more. Yes, yes, that is correct. Right, right. Well, because the airflow, the way the airflow works, uh, the air, the the high pressure uh, along the wing actually accelerates over the top part of the wing. So the cord or the round part of the wing, that part right there creates a low pressure. So now what happens is if you're inverted, the low pressure is underneath it and the high pressure is on the top of it. So in order to hold it there, you have you have to actually get enough up motion or uh, enough pitch to where you're, you know, kind of evening that out. So you're you're basically right. using, you know, the thrust uh, over top of that. So it you know, aircraft, aerodynamic, yeah, back. exactly. Yeah. Aerodynamics are always the high pressure seeks the low pressure, and uh, you know wants to move into that that area. And if you had it inverted, that high pressure is on top is trying to get you know down below, so it does make it. I guess I just wanted to make sure that you know that people listening would understand that if you have to push your stick forward a little bit more, to not maybe not think that your CG is wrong for inverted flight. Because if the wing is not made for inverted flight, well, then you're going to end up fighting yourself about where the CG should actually be. Uh, that's agreed. I, I agree with Mike on that. Right. He uh, He's correct. And, and, so, and also the type of uh, plane that is, you know, for our listeners, is traditionally more of a trainer-style aircraft. Have, have that's flat correct. bottom wings. So, you know, it's, don't think that your plane's terribly, you know, nose-heavy because of that. Right. Well, and, you know, doing during loops and rolls and, you know, that kind of thing, that really doesn't, I mean, if you had a good CG and, and you had a, a non, you know, symmetrical wing, that would be okay. You can still do loops and rolls, uh, half cubinates, all that kind of stuff with a, with a trainer type airplane with the flat bottom. It's just flying inverted uh, for longer periods of time is probably going to be a little less, a, a little harder than it would be with a 3D or or an aerobatic type airplane because of the way the wing is designed. Right, and typically, well, I was going to say low wings uh, they could be flat bottom too, but typically they're more they're an aerodynamic uh, you know wing or uh, cord on them. Uh, so those sport planes, 3D planes, low wings typically have that style of, of uh, wing as as opposed to trainer aircraft. Yeah, I, I will tell you that a real live aircraft, the extra 300L. If you uh, look at the wings, the f- top of the wing is flat, and the bottom of the wing has a little bit of a dihedral. So if you took the wings off and you set them on the ground, they would literally literally rock back and forth. But if you flip the wing upside down, it would lay flat. Right. Well, I mean, it's designed to do something very specific. So Agreed. But that's what I'm saying is that you can take that same design and flip it upside down, and now you have a trainer where you have the oh, oh, you know, oh, flat I see on saying. the bottom. Yes. And, yeah, so they've turned it upside down, which means that it doesn't fly. When it flies inverted, you, you know, you have to push a little bit harder on the stick to get it to, you know, to maintain that inverted flight. Okay, well, that's, um, you know, uh, that's kind of crazy thinking, but, uh, you know, you, you you want that aircraft <laughs> to be unstable, sort of. So, Well, sort of. You want it to be, the, the, the more rearward your CG is, the more... Um, it's not controllable, but the the more wow, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's a real pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real pitch. That's uh, I was just saying that to my wife the other day. <laughs> exactly, that's pretty funny. Uh, I, I I don't want to say the word unstable, but the more maneuverable, I guess, is a better way to put it. So if you have a little bit of rear CG. Uh, the airplane is going to become uh, a little more pitch sensitive. Uh, it'll it, it will be a little more maneuverable than if you had a nose heavy airplane. Right. And now you had uh, a problem with the wing, I think, in your CG there, Jay. Yeah, well, or was it uh, Mike? Well, uh, both of us, I guess. Uh, Mike's was uh, a little yeah. bit more pronounced, 
because he had a smaller wing, which <laughs> magnified the problem. Right. So, Mike, remember when we uh, we took your uh, tough wing, we we put it all together, um, and we'd already built a, the bigger tough wing and uh, put your little tough wing together, and we thought, all right, it should just take off and fly and have not a problem. And um, and there we even knew what the CG was, but it turned out to be a little bit more difficult than we thought, right? Yeah, um, I I think that the good news is that it was a tough wing because I think I. I think I crashed that thing twenty times uh, yeah, before I, think I actually that's blew it. Putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. Now I mean, was it just not uh, getting airborne, or I mean, when you threw no, it, no. did it? We, not we were fly? throwing it in the air fine, and all that was working. Uh, just that because so I was using. I think it was designed to have a thirteen hundred um, milliamp. Right. So we were yeah. using. We were basically that. You know, they give you. You know, like most planes, they say, okay, use motor X and use battery X. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're right. like, well, we don't have motor X and we don't have battery X, but these motors are pretty close <laughs> in equivalency yeah. for power, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, the motor might weigh a few grams more. You know, what's a few grams, you know? And the, the sure. battery we're using isn't as big or heavy as, you know, battery X, but it's pretty close. So what, what would that really matter? It's not that big of a deal, but... We we forgot a golden rule about uh, delta wings or style wings, and that is the cord is totally different than in a conventional aircraft, and therefore it makes it a little bit more unstable <laughs> uh, when you're flying it, as we soon discovered. Right. Well, in addition to the fact that the wing was smaller, physically smaller, right. uh, there's less range for the balance. Right. Yeah. We 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 basically had a per- yep. perfect storm, and. And right. it was frustrating because I owned the bigger version of the plane that had many hours behind it. And I, I was like, why isn't this working? I know like we'd start flying it. It would fly okay, kind of. And then we'd do a maneuver or we'd do right. something and then things would go horribly wrong. <laughs> I think that's how it was going, Mike. It was going horribly wrong quite often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but the, 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 to add insult to injury here, this was my first wing ever like oh yeah so of course you're getting the the excitement of hey this really sucks i don't like the way this flies right i think i said i wasn't going to fly it anymore at least once or twice wow this is a dumb plane i don't want this plane anymore (laughs) and now look at us we fly those things all over that's funny i don't fly the little one um very much but uh the thing is squirrely and the other thing that was an issue is that if you have too much we had too much throw such a short wingspan yeah, that 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 caused instant problems as well. So having too much throw and the CG being off. I mean, I think I ended up for the I used a thousand milli, milliamp batteries, and I ended up having to put this huge washer. Hey, I don't even know where you got that washer I from. I ended up measuring. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that went yeah, to. Yeah, I end up I end up weighing <laughs> I end up weighing the thirteen hundred milliamp and the and the thousand, and figuring out what the difference in grams was, and then I just found this washer that just happened to be approximately that amount. And um, I just taped it to that. Whenever I use those thousands, I just taping it right to those batteries. And then, then we had success on a regular right. basis. And, and luckily it, we were flying the right plane in the sense that it was the tough wing. So when we crashed and we kept right. do, you know, we kept having these crashes and then I would fly it and I was still having problems. And like I said, it being that the, it was such a small model, it automatically made it twitchy. You know, because it was smaller, and so the wind affected it. How, how big was um, it? How big? Twenty-four inch, twenty-five inch, twenty-four inch wingspan. Um, the bigger, yeah. the big, the big brother of it's thirty-two. Right. So that's the that's one, the one have, that right? we, all of us fly the, okay. the bigger version. Right. So, right. And, and it really is night and day difference. Just that six inches. You wouldn't think it. Is. You wouldn't think that that would be, but it, it really does make a difference on, on that plane. You know, not only do you have you know a smaller CG range. You know, also makes the plane short coupled, and then on the on the other fact, where the thir- on the thirty two inch, you know, when we have um, for our control surfaces, not to say we have a ton of, you know, we don't not like flying a three D plane where we have you know the barnyard throws right. on it, um, but you sure. know, we have good throws on those wings. We don't necessarily need them, but then it's it's a reduction factor, you know. So what looks about right is not right. It needs to be way less than that. So when I was looking at it, like, Oh, those throws are, you know, that's, you know, that's medium. That's, that's fine. Um, that was way too much. So we would compound the problem. So the planes kind of get its tail heavy ish 
it's starting to go out of control. You start adding more control to stop what's going out of control. And now you're stalling the wing out. You're over, you know, you have too much control in it. And it, it, yeah, it was the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm. Well, I, I will tell you, if you have a very rearward CG and you have very serious throws, that, that is uh, a It's a recipe for disaster, believe me, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, uh, well, you're just going to over-control it, and, uh, and as a result, it's going to start flipping over on its back or – you know, it turns inside exactly itself. Exactly what it did. You don't even have to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plus, well, I've flown enough. I, I plus, understand. Plus, what's being going on. a light aircraft, if we went out and we flew and it was a little right. windy, and once again, you know, our, our I guess, calibration was off, right? Because, you know, I'm going, oh, that wind's, you know, I'd, I'd fly my other tough, tough wing in this, no problem. Or I'd fly my other planes in this, no problem. Well, you have this really light aircraft because it, it was very, very light. Um, even though it was EPP, mm-hmm. it was pretty light. Um, plus, you know, a little windier than what you're supposed to, a little bit too much control, and it's rearward, you know. So, like I said, you take off, you're flying. Okay, it's flying okay. And then you get a gust of wind. And so you go to recover, and it just gets you in the situation. Next thing, the plane's tumbling out of the sky. And it was frustrating. Right. It really was. Well, I, I, you know, when uh, in our last episode, I think I mentioned that we had made into wing, uh, the hobby key yes. wing. And, and it was very small, and, and I think I had talked about it going into a flat spin or whatever. But I think that that was the problem, too, is that just the way the uh, control surfaces were, uh, I had dialed them up a little bit to try and get a little bit more throw out of them because it just felt like it was not getting enough, and we had the battery kind of sitting a little too far back. And even though it's a single-cell battery, those smaller uh, wings are more critical uh, anytime the airplane gets very to that small so. version, yeah, it, it gets more critical for the CG. So you want to be a little more exact. Uh, but I, I think on the wings or on a conventional airplane, anything past that, the wing, well, there's not really a wing root on okay. a wing. Okay, well, a wing is a little different. So where we have a one-third, yeah. you know, one-third the wing on a conventional right. wing. Right, Well, on a, a Delta wing style aircraft, it's one-half. It's right. one half, you know, one half the cord. So it's way back there. So usually if you have a battery bay or a bay for your escape or something back there, it's, it's usually right around there or right before the motor, you know, it's right. It's that far back right. and it doesn't look sure. like, it doesn't look like it should be, but that's about one half the cord because, you know, once again, Delta wing kind of goes out and all that is counted and, uh, that's what kind of throws you off in your mind. You're thinking, oh, it has to be way up by the nose. Nope. It's, you know, right back in the main body of the aircraft or a little, or a little <laughs> further back. <than> that. <laughs> well, how, how weird is this that uh, while we're sitting here, I got an email uh, from Peter from our FPV episode. And uh, he, he was uh, mentioning when, when we flew the wing, you know, we were talking about it. And he sent me an email that says, yes, flying wings are very sensitive with the center of gravity. Make sure the CG is right and it, it should fly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny that we're there talking. And he sent me an email exactly on the subject that we're talking about. Exactly. How weird is that? Now, um, anyway, the other part that's you, kind Peter. of frustrating with when flying uh, with Mike's little wing, like you said, he was flying two different size batteries, right? So he was flying a 1,000 milliamp and he was flying a 1,300. And so, you know it doesn't seem like it would be that many ounces between the two batteries. Uh, but there was a, no, there's a, there's a significant right. weight difference between right. those. But it I wouldn't, mean, you wouldn't think so. Just you're talking several, gra- you know, grams. several right. grams, but yeah, so, grams. um, that's a lot. Well, it that's is a, a lot, but I'm just saying, servo. if you were to just look at the batteries, you're like, Oh, a thousand, 1300, what, you know, how much could that be? Right. Like you said, it was enough. So that kind of gets you to that, you know, like me, I hate adding nose weight. I hate adding dead weight. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. So you know, for me, you know, that's that's the other part of this when you're trying to figure out CGs and stuff like that. The nice part about conventional planes, you can usually fly a range of batteries in in a plane. Usually wings, it's usually like Mm -hmm. one battery and that's it. You know, so um, like in our tough wings, we can get away with flying. um, We can fly a three or four cell, and they are two different size batteries, but they weigh about the same. You can fly with a three-cell 2200 or a four-cell 1800, 
milliamp battery, but they weigh the same. And that's one way we can get away with that. But you, you just can't take a 2,700 milliamp battery, throw it in the wing and go fly where you could fly, uh, like take my fun cup. You could, you could fly a 27 or 3,300 milliamp battery in that, or you could fly a 2,200 milliamp battery in it. It, it just doesn't seem to care. You know, you might have to move it around a little bit in the, uh, in the fuselage a little bit, but you know, it's not terribly much where a wing, you don't have the room to move the battery all, any hard, or hardly at all. So that's one of those crucial things. Right. Well, I mean, the, ba- the, the weight and balance of an airplane, I mean, we, we talk a little bit about the CG and we don't really talk about the weight and balance, but they're both connected. And the fact that, you know, your, your weight of the airplane has to be such that the, the power can overcome you know, part of that weight. So as you start moving it through the air, then the lift is going to overcome the drag and the weight and your airplane is going to fly. The balance part of it is going to help it fly straight and level and not going to, you know, right. it's not going to want to pitch towards the ground or pitch up unless you do something. So you should be able to trim your aircraft with the right weight and balance and the right CG that it just flies, you know, the first time you get out and maiden it, when you, when you fly straight and level you should be able to release your thumbs off the stick or your fingers off the stick, and it should maintain level flight. You don't want it pitching up or down or doing something crazy uh, because then something is out of sorts. Like for you, when you choose a plane or you go to buy a plane or whatever you're going to get, like you have a couple of uh, deciders for you. Like you you have a couple of – you have a range of batteries that you like to fly all the time like uh, – you like three cell 2200 batteries. So you pick planes right. that pretty much, you know, fly those things. When you go to look for a new plane or you want something new to fly, that's one of the things. That's one of your deciders as to whether you get a plane or not, right? Uh, you mean yeah, for yeah. me or for Mike? It is for me. Yeah, no, it is for me because um, uh, because I, ch- I choose to, to have – I don't want to have the inventory of different batteries, um, you know, I can just have the one battery, the one type of battery, then I can always just use that battery in whatever right. planes I happen to be flying that day. And so it gives me that, that flexibility for, or, or reduction of having to spend money on extra batteries of different sizes. But that's, that's why I chose that. But I, I have a question regarding a plane I have. It's, it's an MX2. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hobby King sells it anymore. But this plane, um, when it came from the factory, it actually had like a three ounce weight that they gave you to put in the plane. Okay, so they're so, they're wanting you to add weight to the nose or something, or yep, yep, okay. uh, and you had to put nose weight. Now, what I discovered the the goal is this was a three D plane mm-hmm. or supposed to be a three D plane, but the motor that came with it was severely underpowered uh, for that. Well, I guess it probably wouldn't be severely if I chose to fly a thirteen hundred. Given my recent statement, I chose to fly a 2200 in it, um, <laughs> and so, and so it flew, it flew fine. But even with the 1300, I would have had to, uh, and with the weight, I would have had to, or did have to, move the battery well into the fuselage where you didn't really have access, um, in order to get the thing to balance. Right. So, what are the suggestions you guys would, you know, in that case, if you found a plane like that? Well, I mean, I think the things that come to mind that I might do to fix that would be, first of all, get a oh, bigger that, motor. That's what I was, about. I was um, going to say. Are you American? Yeah, go bigger. <laughs> get a yeah, big go motor. bigger. So, so I could get a bigger motor for it. That would do two, solve two problems, right? One would be that it would produce weight and I could get rid of the nose weight as well as the fact that it would give it the power I need to be able to 3d fly that thing properly right I, I, like what i would do is you know like i'd go ahead and weigh how big the you know how big the weight was so i take out the motor that that they came with it you know throw it on there so i can say let's say it's 50 grams and let's say what you, they said they gave you like 30 gram weight to go with it so you know you can go up to uh-huh. an 80 gram motor and that would that would take right. the place of that so then i would just look for a motor that swung about the same size prop you know, and I would probably go with go with something like that, or I would go with a slightly more. You know, I'd go with a slightly more powerful motor. You know, it depends what you want to do. Do you want to fly longer, or do you want to fly? You know, or how you want to fly. If you're just going to fly it around sport, fly it. 
then I'd say you could probably keep the motor and then I would look for a bigger battery, right? That took up the, that, that 30 grams. And so, if, you know, you were able to fly a 2200 motor in there, no problem. Well, now you might be able to fly a 4,000 or a 4,500 size milliamp battery in there and just be able to put it around the sky all day. You know, now you'd be able to fly around for yeah. 15, 20 minutes if you want to. It's, it depends. Right. That, that's honestly, that's what it comes down to you. What do you, wh- how do you want to fly the plane? Well, if they were giving you, I mean, could you have flown it without the weight? You think? Not, not with the recommended battery. Yeah, not with the recommended battery. That's right. It would have been tail heavy. very tail heavy. It would have been, it was hard enough to fly if you put the battery where they told you to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the weight. Uh, so for, I, I found that I really had to, I mean, a whole battery's length forward to get and did, did you have enough room to put it forward like that well yeah the the whole front of the plane was open um oh. but the problem was getting the battery to stay in its position right because it was a, a sealed environment like right. the only way i could have fixed it would be like cut a big hole in the top of the plane so i could access the right. That so you had to do major do modifications right. in order um, to make it work. Yeah, so what I did for a while was I had a skewer I stuck in there that stopped the battery from sliding back towards the middle of the plane. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a while, but then I didn't really like doing it. It was kind of a hassle to do that. So I finally ended up putting in a piece of foam uh, to hold the escape out of the way. And then it was because of that piece of foam now it was narrow enough that when i put the battery in place it wouldn't slide around yeah i i use foam uh quite a bit i use um i probably have about three or four airplanes that actually have foam pieces that you know i'll i'll fold in half or you know to try and get my battery to stay where it needs to be or keep it right. in, you know keep well, it in so, so in this case i actually made a a brick of foam that I so a, I shoved the battery in there foam? and then I shoved this brick of foam okay. after it. A brick, yeah, a brick it's of foam. Brick. It's, just, <laughs> it's the size it's a of foam a brick. Foam. It's as big as a battery, right? The foam, right. the foam I made is the size uh-huh. of a battery, right? And in length of a battery, and I so I shoved the battery in there and then I shoved this foam in there. Oh, oh, keep oh it in okay. Place so it doesn't slide around. <laughs> yeah, I, and like I said, I do that okay. as well. So yeah, and that 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 yeah. works. That works fine. But it's still a pain in the butt to get the battery in and out because it has to go slide all the way forward and plus i don't get the 3d ability out of the plane that i'd like to get so i think i think that in the end the best answer would be for me to stop fooling around with this setup and buy a better motor or different motor yep. that's I, you could uh you know you just got to be careful because depending on the type of motor that you're going to get if you you can move up just even slightly and and change your whole dynamics from your esc and your battery so what do you mean well, you know, I mean, if you had a, let's just use Hacker, for instance. If you had a Hacker 2010, that uses a three-cell battery and a, you know, 35-amp escape. If you moved up to a Hacker uh, 30, it's a lot heavier battery, but now you just jumped up to uh, a 50 or 60-amp uh, escape and a four- to five-cell battery. So you're saying a bigger motor is going to make more draw on the escape. Well, I'm just saying that, you know, from a weight perspective, when we're talking about weight and balance, so the weight of the airplane, if you had a a light profile foamy that was not, you know, balancing out correctly and you said, oh, I'm just going to stick a bigger motor on the front of it, that motor could have a, a lower KV and require a larger battery, much larger than what you want. You know, because you can, you can actually find smaller motors that weigh more, but they're a six-cell motor. You're not going to put a six-cell in a foamy. It's America, right. isn't it? So, you, <laughs> well, I, I know it's America, but you know, America. You're, you're talking about you're talking about a weight a weight issue now. That even though you have this this motor battery combo, now now this foam airplane that's supposed to weigh ounces is weigh, is weighing two or three pounds. And it's not going to want to fly. The wings are not going to be able to support it. Well, wait. We're, we're being very specific here, though, that the motor that I would buy would have to replace the weight that they made me put in the plane. Right. And it would allow me to maybe move the battery back towards the cockpit instead of being the front of the right. plane. 
And what and, and that's correct. And just to be clear, what I'm saying is is that if you looked at the motor and the motor weighed ten grams and they gave you yeah. forty grams of weight. Okay. Yeah. That's fifty grams, right? Right. So now you have to buy a fifty gram motor. Well, if you go look right. at a fifty gram motor, some of those motors may be larger. You know, I mean, they they may weigh fifty grams, but they may take a totally different battery uh, escape combo than what you're using. I totally understand I that if you're going to say you're going to say these, you know, I already have the 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 three cell battery and I already have the thirty five amp escape and I have this particular motor. You just got to make sure is what I'm saying that when you buy, just don't go buy a motor that's fifty grams. You got to make sure that the motor that you're buying at 50 grams works with your battery and your escape because you you run the risk moving motors when you move up, you run the risk of having the next size battery and an ESC as well. Right. That's all. Right, right. And I'm we talked about this in, in one of our other podcasts about you know how to determine what motors go you know uh, to replace right. actual right. gas motors and stuff, and basically it kind of comes down to you know for like. Mike's plane, I think it it takes like a nine inch prop, right? Nine, yeah, 11, okay, eleven, 11 inch prop. Yeah. So basically, you know, it has you you know you have a motor that has to that can swing an eleven inch prop, and you know it weighs thirty grams heavier than the motor that he has. And so this is where it takes doing a little bit of research. You jump on Hobby King, or you you know jump on whatever, and or you jump on RC groups and look at the the thread of that particular plane because I'm sure somebody else has figured that out and they already have a motor recommendation and, you know right and i agree but I, i'm you know take the ntm motors from sure. hobby king for instance you can you can go to the 40 or let's go to the 30 you can go to the 30 size and you can find a 30 size that's got a kv that'll that'll do a three cell a kv that'll yes. do a four yes. cell a five yes. cell and a six cell they're all 35 they all weigh the same right there's not a difference it's just the KV is lower or higher. Yes. So I was just suggesting to Mike, you can't just blanket say, oh, I'm going to go buy a bigger, fatter motor right, with more right. weight without doing the research to make sure that the weight that you're adding is still in your motor escape. Right. So That's so once again, if, if I didn't make it clear from before, right, you already know that the, it was swinging a, you know, like a range of a 10-inch to a 12-inch prop, you know. So that's what this plane's right, right. swinging for a clearance, you know, for it to, you know go over the ground. So that's the size prop that you're looking for. You know that it has to weigh 50 grams, like you were saying, and that's when you'd go on to RC groups and start looking at the 50-gram motors. It's going to take a little while. That swing, this prop in this particular range, that's running the same, you know, you want to st stay with your three-cell, you know, so you're looking at the range as well to go, okay, it's a three-cell motor. It weighs 30 grams more can swing a, a you know 10 inch prop or 11 inch 12 inch prop you know and take those take all three of those things into consideration so don't blindly buy oh this weighs exactly 80 grams more or if it weighs 50 grams i'll just take that one right. you, yeah right. and it's going to be a right. that's what i was three thousand kv motor <laughs> it can only take a right. touch cell and run a two right. inch prop <laughs> that's not going to do you any good right that makes sense so for your particular uh, aircraft, Mike, it, it seems that most of the guys are flying a twenty-eight thirty-six uh, with a thirty amp ESC, and that's that's giving them the weight um, that they can throw the you know the le the lead in the nose. They can throw it out and just use that twenty gram heavier motor uh, in order to be able to get you know the right CG. There you go. RC groups to, to the rescue again. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. 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 So I guess the the big question is now, um, you know, is to make sure that it's not really a question, but the big concern is to make sure that you get your CG correctly, uh, correct before you go made in your airplane. And you know, there's probably half a dozen uh, products on the market that will help you with that. Um, you know, you can take a tape measure basically and measure back whatever it says and put a, a little dot on there or or a marker and use your fingers. Uh, you know, that's not the best way to do it, but it'll get you yeah, in the right ballpark. It's worked on out in the many field. a plane for me. Yeah. Um, but there are, um, like I said, CG machines. So you, 
The one I have is from Great Plains. It works great. I think Jay has the same one. I'm not sure if the uh, Alaska Mike has that one or not, but uh, there are some wooden ones, metal ones, PVC. Um, you know, just the way. Uh, that, a good buddy of mine made. A good it? buddy of mine made one out of uh, PVC pipe. Uh, he he one of our groups got the, the idea, girl. built one. Cost him, I don't know, eight dollars, yep. I think, uh, with PVC yeah. PVC parts, and built me a. He he built it for me, and I ended up giving it up to another beginner uh, pilot. Um, cause I already had one, but, uh, he, yeah, it was, it was all out of PVC pipe. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I know that guys have made them out of wood as well. It's just, a you know, kind of an L bracket and they put, you know, a little pin on there and then you just kind of set it in there and move it around. Uh, but it is most important to be able to fly an airplane. If you're going to maiden it, you know, if you've built it, it's very important to get your CG correct. It will make your life way way more. Well, I, I was already saying, I don't know if Alaska Mike has a good story because he did a lot of training for guys up in, in Alaska when I was up there of guys coming up and, you know, hey, I'm going to fly my plane or I'm going to do whatever and, you know, oh, what's the CG? Well, I don't know, you know, or. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, because you do get those oh, guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've had those guys too where you're like, okay, is it balance? And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, what do you mean? You know, do you, you know, is it balance? Did you do a CG test or what? Well, no, I just put everything in there, and you know, you pick it up, and it just like about falls out, yep. uh, you know, because the battery's or, like. Or I like on the, the idea tail. of what Jay said. He's like, "Well, yeah, the CG's right." Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. And then, and, and and then it's like, well, that's right because they follow the instructions, which are wrong. Exactly. Right. So, so then, so then you end up the plane crashes. Like, what happened? Well, the CG was off. That can't be right. I tested it. It was right where they told me to put it. Oh. Right. Well, and that was in my uh, case with the Sukhoi. Most of the training I do, Jay, is on my own plane, so I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna do. He's not gonna run my risk, you know, because I'm always taking somebody else's airplane up. But Mike's a smart one. He's gonna say, "Oh, we'll just train on mine," and you, you got a buddy box and yep. uh, train, right. train with those guys. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well. Uh, so we talked about wings, conventional airplanes, uh, jets, uh, EDFs. Uh, I will tell you that the EDFs, um, they have usually swept wings, and they they have a, uh, a CG that balances a little bit uh, in front of the wing spar as well from the wing root. Um, the difference in the EDF is that you're going to need uh, to be able to move the battery to where it has a little bit of it, – it's going to sit tail low, but the CG is going to be forward of the wing spar. So there is kind of a little disconnect there when people think, oh, it's not sitting correctly. Uh, so they try to move the battery back, and they're shifting the CG at the same time. Hmm. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, it can be. You know, I mean, uh, trust me, you and I have flown uh, my F-18 where it had two forward of a CG and never got off yeah. the ground. Yeah, well, it got off the ground and went through yeah. the trees, kept going through the trees. <laughs> Strainer. <laughs> That's true. It did get off the ground, but. Uh, but yeah, if the CG is not correct, it, it won't, um, you know, it just, if it's too far forward, it's not going to lift off it. It just does not have enough elevator to get the nope. nose, uh, you know, off the ground. And once again, you have to think about it as that playground, uh, you know, the little teeter totter or seesaw, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the oversized kid. I mean, I, I grew up in, you know, non-political world. So you always put the fat kid on the one side and you and the other guy got on the other side. Um, you know, cause the heavier set kid would always be sitting on the ground and you're up there jumping up and down trying to get, you know, this teeter totter to come down. And so the same holds true for the airplane. So is that why every time we fly and you're 300 extra, you always get in the back? Cause, uh, you know, <laughs> more weight, more <laughs> no. of the weight has to go in the back cause you don't want to have a no, you know, tail, yeah, thank nose, you very nose much. heavy aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> no, the pilot flies from the back. Let's get in there. Uh, nice try, though. You tell me I need to go on a diet. What, That's what you're telling me? I can tell. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> does no, this no. plane yes. make me? <laughs> yes, it does. It's you not look the huge. And it's that, not the and plane that, that makes you look fat. <laughs> not the plane that makes you look fat. It's the fat that makes oh, you look fat. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I'm actually, I'm actually trying to lose some weight. So. Uh, has nothing to do with our Park Flyer podcast, but thanks for pointing oh, yeah. out. As long as you're not sensitive about it, that's all I want to make sure of. Because it no, looks good on you. No, it's not. Really. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Well, is there uh, anything, uh, any questions you have about CGs or anything that you guys want to, you know, kind of bring up? I I can answer questions or whatever for well, you. Well, I was ready to say real quick, you, have a, you know, since we're on the topic and you're getting new batteries or you get a new motor like like uh, Alaska Mike's, uh, his uh, setup that he was talking about, um, and you touched upon it just lightly, is that you want to make sure that you have the right escape, you know, BEC escape combo with that particular aircraft. Mm-hmm depending on what you do. That's true. Right. So that people forget about that. They may go get the new motor. They got a new setup or they got a larger prop. You know, you're, you're putting out more amps and you have this little dinky, you know, escape in there. Or let's say they did what you said. Let's say I went and I got a motor and being a typical American, I went from a plane that had three cells to a plane that had six cells. So now I got a hell of a lot of performance, you know, but I got these little micro servos and I had, eight of them in there, but I'm using my old escape. So bad things can happen, right? <laughs> well, we, we talked to the Alaska Mike about that with his little tame cat episode is that, you know, he was browning out his oh, service right. because he didn't have the right. Yeah. 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 But I, fi- I fixed it. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of that, you, you, uh, we didn't touch on that last time, but, uh, you've flown that thing with the, with the, what do you call that? The resistor? No, it was a capacitor. Capacitor, that's what it is. And you've yeah. flown a thing with a capacitor and it's been working so far? Yeah, it works fantastic. I had a, another problem that was kind of weird, and it's not really escape-related, but um, but it, it's related to solving that problem. Uh, it was having trouble binding, and I couldn't figure out why. Well, it turns out that my transmitter was putting out too much signal, too I much guess. Power. I don't, I don't know what, what I would call it properly. <laughs> so, so it's supposed to go – it can't go higher than 2,000 – I think it's microseconds is what it is, mm-hmm. uh, technically. And um, if it does, then it won't bind. And this is a... This oh, is so a, you were standing real close with the transmitter, or too close, and you were overpowering it, huh? Well, in this case, it's the, the actual output was higher than the two, than the 2,000 uh, microseconds. So I had to change the output level to, to below 2,000 so that it would actually bind. Oh, so how did you find that That's out? Something you had to so, change in your radio? Well, I figured that out because I was trying to just back to the. This is why I'm talking about it because it escapes. I was trying to set the, you know, if you put the throttle all the way up and you can set the um, calibrate the 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 calibrate right. right. Well, it wouldn't calibrate and it wouldn't bind. So it turns out that so then I started lowering the throttle down a little at a time. It turns out it started binding. I was like, what is going on there? And I figured out that because the radio the transmitter was outputting too much signal or like I said I, I don't know how you talk about this because I don't have that technical knowledge but I know that the output was saying 2048 or something like that as soon as I as soon as I made the output only go below 2000 then it would bind more consistently I wonder if you had walked you know across the room it probably would have that might have made a difference but I was I did stay away from it when trying to bind it but um, but I mean, this was the better solution in my mind. Well, yeah, if you have the ability radio. to dial it down, you can know. Was it? I mean, is it a, like a real stat, or you just digitally dials it down? <laughs> real stat. Digitally did it. Oh, yeah, okay. there's an output limit you can set. <laughs> <laughs> I got this big tune in Tokyo, big old metal knob, <laughs> turn with both hands. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, but That's the uh, but the capacitor thing works fantastically, um, and uh, yeah, it, I haven't had a brownout since. Well, that's amazing. I, I, I would have never guessed that that would have worked the way it's working, but I'm impressed. I have to tell you, I, I would not have thought about that. And unfortunately, I mean, or fortunately, I guess for me, I've never had a brownout in the servos, but, um, what? But yeah, that's you don't use are, the same cheap are, gear are, I use. Like, is this the first time you've operated your, your radio? What, what did you just say? You've never had a brownout? What? I didn't say I never had a brownout. I I have had brownouts. Oh. Oh, I was just making like you I have had never had the servos. You, you know, your doppelganger was sitting here on the podcast with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. No. I've had plenty of brownouts. It cost me one or two airplanes. But uh, no, I've just never had the servos brown out. Oh, oh, oh. You know, like okay, Mike, yes. Mike was having that problem. I, I've never had that problem. So I, it was interesting to me well, that he was able to put a capacitor on there and actually make it work. Yeah, it's kind of neat that it did. Yeah, that was good that you were able to find that. So we'll pass that along to our listeners if they uh, have issues like that. 
send uh, send an email to us here, and we'll uh, we'll send it over to Mike, and he <laughs> figure it out for us. Hey, so Mike, yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's really easy to do. I found it right on RC groups. That's go. how I figured. Well, out. yeah, I mean, I think everything's on RC groups at the moment, but. Dude, so I, I didn't know that about the Tyrannus radio that you were able to play with your outputs like that. I mean, I, I, I think on our spectrums, you know, the only time we can play with our outputs is only when we're hitting our, you know, binding button and you want to do a range check, right. range check button. Right. It's the only time that, that we can actually change the output on our radios, I think. Um, well, well, you could change it by changing the um, percentages. What percentages? Percentages. Uh, you know how you do like low rates, high rates, that kind of thing. Yeah, you could adjust it that way. Okay, so we're talking two. We're talking two totally different things. Then we are. I'm just saying you could achieve the same goal. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Well, anyway, I, it, uh, your Tyrannus radio definitely has a lot of extra knobs, buttons, switches, yeah, and, that's... and twiddly bits. That's for sure. <laughs> no question. Yeah, nothing like twiddly bits. Yep. Hey, and they just came out with a new radio. Everybody needs some of those. Like a QR7 or something, or Q7 or. The, the, the QX7, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a, a more of a, I would call it more of a beginner radio, um, but it has all the twiddly bits <laughs> that Jay's talking about. Um, <laughs> you'd want to have. I mean, really, it's a, it's a nice radio for the price. Yeah, so, I mean, I, what, which one is it? It's the what? QX7. Yeah, QX7. it looks it looks cool. I think it comes in some cool colors. I think. Um, uh, I think I saw some things where they're able you're able to sw- swap out the cases and stuff, so you get some far out cases, and you know, it looks good. The price is under like what one fifty, one twenty five, or something like that. So it was it was yeah definitely under one fifty. You know, I think Aloft has them. I mean, that's I might I would probably get mine from Aloft. It, like once again, I, I'll just you know, living in the future is cool. That's all I got to say. Compared to the old craft radio I that agree. I started with back in nineteen eighty three, four, five, you know, oh, and absolutely. I found it when I was moving yeah. to come down to Texas, and I was like, holy crap! You know, I got to hand crank the crank the <laughs> crank the battery, you know. <laughs> the servos are big and clunky. You know, it was, it was you know had like. Instead of three leads, they had like seven leads. It was, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty neat. You know, had a had a small car battery uh, to power the system. Well, I mean, we are lucky that technology is, you know, moving along with us, and it's it's almost to the point now, though, that technology moves so fast that by the time you buy something, it's obsolete. It's already obsolete. Right. Well, it's like a phone, right? Kind of phone stressing. You know, I have yeah. I have the new whatever Samsung something, and you know, by the time you actually get it That's in your true. hot little hands, hey, coming out next quarter, <laughs> makes this thing right. look like a rock. So exactly. Uh, uh, one of the things yeah, I noticed yeah. is like uh, quadcopters, the with the boards. You know, mm-hmm. so the boards were first they were fifty by fifty, you know, centimeters or millimeters or whatever. Then the standard was thirty by thirty. Then it went from just having you know just keeping it being able to stay level to actually being able right. to control with you know. GPS, barometer, you know, now they have not only that, they have uh, um, onboard um, displays, um, you know, all those other features, you know, all in that 30 by 30 little board. Plus, uh, they're uh, no longer just, uh, you know, three pitch stabilized. Now they're six or eight or whatever. It's it's crazy. Well, and on top of that, now, like, I think it's the... Uh Mavic Pro or whatever quadcopter you can do hand gestures and all that other stuff. So that, I mean, well, good. that's even they have a New York over model the top for those guys when they do hand yeah. gestures. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it, it has anything here. for that type yeah. of hand gesture. Anyway, so. <laughs> How you doing? How you, doing? Yeah. <laughs> you want to make something that's of it? Hey, hey, hey. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great when they uh, put a voice modulation in the uh, quadcopter where he says, I don't understand that hand gesture. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, how about this one, buddy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, that'd <my>. be funny. <laughs> well, it's been a great night. Hopefully you've gotten some good information on CG and uh, how important it is to have your airplane uh, balanced and that, that the weight is correct. Um, you know, we wish you the best of luck on any of your maidens out there. If you uh, got a good CG and and the weight is correct, you should have a fairly fairly good maiden. So um, let us know how it goes. At least enough to get it back to try it again. 
What's it's that? At least enough that you can get it back to try it again. Like you may have some other things wrong with yes. it, but at least if the CG's you know, true. decent, you can you can try those, work out all the rest of those kinks and bugs. Yeah, that's true. So just remember if uh, you have a 3D type airplane or even a trainer type airplane, uh, it, it, if you're balancing it any further past the, the wing spar, there's probably an issue and uh, definitely go on to RC groups or wherever uh, you can find, um, you know, some forums that talk about that particular airplane and maybe somebody will uh, give you a correct uh, CG. If it's a flying wing, um, you know, it's what, what did you say? It was half. Oh, he's the half. Right. Well, Mike, once again, we uh, love having you on the Park Flyer Podcast. We're going to have to make this a regular thing because we sure enjoy having you uh, uh, participate with us. You got some good information, good stories, and it's always a pleasure to talk. Well, thanks. I appreciate uh, being on the show. and yeah. um, I enjoyed hearing your guys' stories as well. <laughs> well, if you uh, have any topics or any uh, anything that you want us to talk about, uh, give us a shout at theparkflyerpodcast.com. Uh, for those of you listening all over the world, from Arizona, I'm Michael. Texas, I'm Jay. And from Alaska, I'm Mike. And we wish you a happy night, and uh, we'll talk to you again in two weeks. See ya. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com.